This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Merry Christmas, everybody. Are you listening to Christmas carols yet? Yes. If you want to do me a really big favor, all right? I know there's a radio station in Sonoma County that plays Christmas carols only from Thanksgiving to Christmas. If you will tell me in the lobby how I can find that station, I will love you forever. How's that? Yeah, thank you. I'll let you tell me out there because I will never remember it here. Hey, uh, I always know that the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the crowd will be smaller in number, but bulked up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it looks like we all did really, really well. Um, Justin mentioned a minute ago that one of the things we love to do at New Life is be generous. And I, I just want to close a loop because last Sunday I talked about the fact that the that in 2017 as a church we were able to donate 260 turkeys to Redwood Gospel Mission's great Thanksgiving Day banquet and and that we were already at 308 and if you've been on Facebook, it doesn't count. Don't holler out the number, all right? I just want to say to you that I love how God works through you. This year, we donated 570 turkeys. How about that? <clears throat> that is four and a half tons of turkey. How's that for a two-ton turkey challenge? Yes, that, that, that is, God bless you. You made so many people in our county able to have full bellies and a wonderful meal and lots of other stuff that goes with that. Uh, can I tell you that the money that we donated and, and we did it all online like 21st century Christians. That's pretty cool, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're finally getting there. Do you realize that if we had brought 570 turkeys to this building, they actually could not have used them all. But because we donated it as cash, they were able to get every turkey they needed. And they were able to buy mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and all the stuff that went with it. We virtually supplied the whole meal. God bless you. For those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of New Life, and we are on the closing end of a series called Bottom of the Ninth. It's actually our last sermon in this series, and you'll notice that the title of this particular message is Tear Off the Roof, and that's a very appropriate message for a church that just got a roof, right? (laughs) Yes. So, We're going to dig into that. That's a story uh, in the life of Jesus that's little known, and I think you're going to enjoy that story and what we're going to learn out of it. But the basic idea of this of this teaching series is when the home team comes up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, you know one thing for sure, they're never ahead, and usually they're behind. And we all have Spike talked to us about this a while ago. We all have these moments and these experiences and these chapters in our life that are bottom of the ninth chapters. There are these times when when we feel anything but ahead. 
I've had many times in my life where I felt like I was actually doing a pretty miserable job of everything I was supposed to be doing. Have you ever felt that? It's just like I'm failing at everything. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going out and destroying people, but as a father, I, I don't feel like I'm getting done what I should be getting done. And as a pastor, I don't feel like I'm getting done in the church what, what Jesus really wants done in the church. And as a friend, I, I feel like I, I'm not taking the time and I don't have the emotional bandwidth to invest in the friends in my life. And, and in our marriage, I, I look at Monica and I think, she deserves a date. And I can't remember the last time we had one of those. And, and then I look at myself and I say, how am I doing it? Taking care of my own body and my own life. And I realize I'm just behind in everything. And the great thing about Jesus is it doesn't make any difference if we're 10 runs ahead in the top of the ninth or if we're 10 runs behind in the bottom of the ninth. He'll meet us where we are if we'll just get where he is. Not clean up our lives, not all that stuff. If we'll just get where we know Jesus is. And more than anything else, that's what this teaching series has been about. And that's what this morning is going to be about. And we've been pressing into this question, how can we be okay when everything's not okay? And the first week, we said, well, we can be okay when everything is not okay because we are partnered with an anything is possible God. There's literally nothing that's impossible with God. And I'm going to point you to a statement in our teaching this morning where you can see Jesus actually teaching that concept to a group of people in a house. And then the second week we noticed we can have faith in the dark We can have faith in these bottom of the ninth moments. We can actually have an unshakable faith in these bottom of the ninth moments because our faith is solidly built on five unshakable realities. Things like truth. Things like relationships with other people. Things like personal engagement with God and through our community. On watching God capture and redeem circumstances in our life that don't seem helpful. And in the end, they become life-changing in the best ways. And then going out and putting those things into practice, it gives us this unshakable faith. And then last week, Angela talked to us about the fact that we can have this, this bottom of the ninth faith because our faith still works even when we think we've lost. She took us to the story of Stephen in the Bible, who was a man 100% dedicated to God. And, and he, got, he got arrested and pulled into a fake trial. And the trial ended with him getting stoned to death. And Stephen was a young man and, and was a recent follower of Jesus. Probably less than five years he had followed Jesus And his life was snuffed out. And Stephen must have thought, wow, I was at the plate with two out in the bottom of the ninth. And I had two strikes. And I swung and I missed. And the home team lost. And yet in the end, what took place around Stephen's death fueled the expansion 
of the followers of Jesus across the face of the globe. Even when we think we've lost, if we're walking with Jesus, we actually win. We may not always get to see it, but we do. Today, we're going to flip that whole coin over because we've been talking about how we respond in the bottom of the ninth in our lives. And today we're going to look at how should we respond when others are in the bottom of the ninth. Now, the next slide is very self-revealing because these are thoughts. These are immediate responses that I have periodically, maybe I should say often, uh, thankfully, I, I normally don't voice them, but see if you can relate to the struggles that I have. When a friend of mine is in the bottom of the ninth, my, one of my first things is, oh, thank God it's not me. Ever have that thought? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or, oh no, not again. I'm not going to get drugged into the vortex of this thing again. Or worse yet, I helped the last time, which means basically... I did, I gave at the office, right? And so God and my friends can't really expect anything of me. And then this is maybe the most self-justifying, but actually the most harmful. You know, if I just go and rescue them, they're not going to learn anything. So if they have to dig their way out of this, this mess that they've made, they'll learn more. Have you ever thought that? Yeah, you don't want to shake your head yes in church. But the truth is, we've all thought that. Now, if you compare these very normal and natural, immediate human thoughts and feelings and emotions with Jesus, you'll see a stark contrast. Because Jesus clearly wanted to be everyone's first option in their bottom of the ninth moments. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Jesus wanted to be everybody's first option. Here's how he said it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Would you say that was the bottom of the ninth moment? Yeah. And he said, I will give you rest. Now, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in the heart. Is that hard sometimes to be? When we have a friend that seems to perpetually live in the bottom of the ninth moment, yeah, it's hard. He said, and you will find rest for your souls. Now realize that not all of you grew up in an agricultural community that was powered by oxen, all right? So this thing right here is what a yoke is, all right? Okay? And there's room normally for two oxen. And Jesus is saying, and I don't want you I don't want us to miss what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I'm here and I've always got a spot open in my yoke. Always. I loved how Spike put it this morning. Jesus always has a seat at the table for you. Doesn't make any difference what you're carrying, what you've done, even what you're up to now. Jesus always has a spot open in his yoke. And when we come to him with the stuff that's weighting us down and the stuff that's ruining our lives and the stuff we hate about ourselves and the stuff we try to hide from everybody else because there's a lot of shame connected to it. 
Jesus says to us, hey, you know that sack you're carrying? Why don't you toss it into the wagon and then come up here and get in the yoke with me and see if it isn't easier to pull and to carry. Now here's a cool thing about becoming a follower of Jesus. Jesus doesn't shake his finger at us and say, why don't you learn how to do what I did? Jesus says to us, come and walk with me and I will begin to change your heart. And I will begin to change your desires. And I will begin to change your perspectives and your paradigms about life and about other people. And the next thing you know, you will be one of those people who wants to be people's first option in their bottom of the ninth moments. Instead of that list that I struggle with sometimes, I get that one item list that Jesus has. And when I see a person in their bottom of the ninth, I want to be one of their first options to come alongside them. And the cool thing is that also means we want our church to be people's first option in their bottom of the ninth moments. I was greeting one of you this morning. And as I put a hug on your neck, I looked in your eyes and I said, are you okay? And you responded to me, I'm a little down today. And my response was, I'm so glad you're here. This is the right place for you. And I loved your response. You said, it's the only place I'd want to be. Now, when we get this following Jesus thing, and it becomes a real part of our lives, and instead of trying to keep all the rules to keep Jesus happy, when we learn how to just walk with him, he does the most wonderful things in our life. So over the next 10 to 12 minutes, I'm just going to unpack a story in Jesus' life where we can put a bow on this series and we can see this in action and we can learn some things for ourselves. And so we jump into the story where Jesus is in the town of Capernaum, which is a town on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, I'll tell you about this in a little bit, but This story is important in the teaching we're going to have next week at the beginning of our news series, because the story next week is the story that happens in the life of Jesus right after this one. So Jesus is in this town of Capernaum, and we'll pick up the story here. The house where Jesus was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. You know, that that phrase, no room, seems to fit Jesus wherever he was in life, right? There was no room for him to be born, so he was born in a barn. No, no room now for people to get to him. The place was absolutely packed. Story goes on, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. If you've ever watched a football game or a soccer game, you know they have the stretcher kind of thing that's got poles and sort of a mat that's, that's, that runs between the poles. And usually they got a one person on the front and one person on the back and they're carrying the wounded wherever they go. That's the picture I get here. These four guys come carrying a man 
And we know there's no room for them to get in. So, bottom of the ninth, friends know, and this is what I want us to get. Bottom of the ninth, friends know, if they can get their friend next to Jesus, something good is going to happen. Now, if, if, if I just sent you home with that message, yeah, that would be a whole sermon just in itself. Can I say to you that one of the reasons that we tend to have the wrong immediate list is because oftentimes I find in myself when a friend of mine is going through the bottom of the ninth, I think I have to fix it. And that gets to be a heavy burden to carry. But when I realize that it's not my job to fix, but it actually is my job to actually interact with this person in a way where they get next to Jesus. These guys knew, oh yeah, there's that Jesus guy. And amazing things happen when people get brought into his presence. So they said, we got to get him there. And so what happens? Well, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now I want to pack, unpack this for a minute because the next thing says, so they dug a hole through the roof, okay? So what happens between when they discover that they can't get their buddy next to Jesus and they start digging a hole in the roof? Well, they got to figure out, we got to get this guy next to Jesus. The house is packed with people. So wouldn't you have loved to see this? They go around and start peeking in the windows because they got to know where to dig the hole, right? And so here they are. People are thinking, those guys are creepy. You know, running around the house, peering in the windows, and they're figuring out, okay, it's about this far over, and it's about this far over. The next thing that happens is, how do you get a paralyzed man on a roof? There's no elevator. You know that. And if you've ever tried to carry a paralyzed person anywhere, it's hard. But try carrying a paralyzed person up a staircase. Or maybe worse yet, four guys and a paralyzed man on a ladder. What would you have paid to see that? Yeah. This is incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. Goes on to say, so they dug a hole through the roof. Now, Luke's account, Dr. Luke, records more details, and he tells us that the roof was actually tile. Now that adds a significant complication. While it might make it easier to remove the tiles, tile roofs were never flat. So if in your mind you're envisioning four guys and a paralyzed guy on a flat roof, I want you to replace that picture with four guys on a slanted roof with a paralyzed guy, three guys trying to keep the one guy from sliding off and the other guy trying to remove the tiles. Then they lowered the man and his mat right down in front of Jesus. The next thing you need to know is bottom of the ninth friends, don't give up easily. Can I just share with you? If you're next to a person that's going through a bottom of the ninth moment in their life, please don't give up easily. Please don't say, oh, I tried. Don't get into enabling. That's a that's a teaching for another Sunday. But please don't give up easily. Think what would have happened in this paralyzed guy's life if the four guys shrugged their shoulders and said, tried. Yeah, they don't. 
So here's what happens. Seeing their faith. Whoa. Let that sink in. Jesus healed this guy not because he saw the faith of the paralyzed man. Seeing their faith. Huh. Do you ever want to be the person that has enough faith so that God would heal your friend because of your faith? What a challenge. Man, when we take up this thing of following Jesus, he begins to change every paradigm in our life. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that just such a church answer? You come wanting to be healed because you're paralyzed, and the pastor says, be of good cheer, God has forgiven your sins, go in peace. I don't know what the guy on the mat thought. I know what the guys on the roof thought. You have to be kidding me. We dug a hole in the roof and endangered our lives and lowered this guy in front of Jesus so Jesus could say, your sins are forgiven. Is he blind? This guy needs help. And that's the best you got. Huh. When we get next to Jesus, he always delivers more than we expect. I want you to know that. You may have come today and you're not even sure you believe in Jesus. That's okay. I'm glad you're here to check it out. I want to tell you in story after story after story of these historical accounts, and not just these historical accounts, but if I had the time this morning, I could go through and share stories from the lives of many of you sitting right here, where when you came to Jesus, you got way more than you ever expected. Because that's just how Jesus rolls. It's one of the greatest reasons that you would ever want to follow Jesus with your life. Because what you think you're going to get and what you get are going to be way different. And what you're going to get is going to be way more than you expected on the way in. But no story would be complete unless there were some naysayers, right? So here we go. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And one of the great things about Jesus, because he was God in a human body, he could read people's minds. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Let's just put a pause right there. That's not the last time Jesus ever read somebody's mind. This morning, he could be reading yours right now, not in a terrible way. But we all have a voice or voices inside our head that sometimes tell us the wrong thing. Have you noticed that? And sometimes sow these seeds of doubt. And the great thing about Jesus is he doesn't say to us, you should not be thinking this. He says to us, let me show you how to think what's right. And he will ask us, why are you thinking this? Because he's trying to get you and me to burrow down to whatever it is that's underneath that thought, that is creating that thought, 
that could take us down and out of the game. So this week, when you get a voice in your head about some thought that, that, that you have, that you think, I wonder if that thought is true. If you get a voice that says to you, or something in your spirit that says to you, hey, why are you thinking this? That's probably Jesus. And he's saying, let's dig into this and find out where that doubt or that judgment or that condemnation or that anger or that frustration. Let's dig into this and figure out what's underneath it. Because I actually want to heal you from that. So he says this amazing question to the teachers of the law who were all, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was no room to get in the house, but the teachers of the law were actually sitting. I got a problem with that. Okay? Jesus says to them, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? God is awesome. Four words here, eight words here, which is tougher. That's basically what Jesus says. We start out the service singing a song that, thank God, there's Jesus. And the first sermon in the series was, anything is possible with God. And Jesus says, you know how I measure the difficulty of any task? How many words does it take to speak it into reality? It took only four to say, your sins are forgiven. It would take eight to say, take up your mat and walk. So, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, what did the people in the crowd know? Only God could forgive sins. And Jesus is saying, I have authority on earth to forgive sins. If you, if you had logic 101, anywhere in your educational journey, you understand that if someone is saying, I have the authority to forgive sins, which only God can do, there's only one way I can prove I have that authority. I have to do something that only God can do so that you'll know I'm God. So he does. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And to everyone's surprise, we'll get to that in a minute. Here's the lesson. When we get next to Jesus, it's never just about us. You know, Jesus could have said to this guy right up front, take up your mat and go home. But instead, he chose to say, your sins are forgiven because Jesus had a lesson. He wanted to teach the whole crowd as well as something he wanted to do for the guy. And there's a good reminder in that for us. When our friend is in the bottom of the ninth moment and and we want to get them next to Jesus and we think if I can just get them next to Jesus, Jesus will do something great in their life. And the truth is when you and I become part of bringing someone next to Jesus, there's always something he does in our life as well. Always. Because it's never just about our friend or just about us. So what happens to the guy, the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat and he walked through the, the crowd of stunned onlookers. You know, there was no way to get in, but they made room for him to get out. Did you notice that? 
If you've ever had a picture in your mind of Moses parting the Red Sea, we bring a paralyzed man into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus says, take up your mat and go home, and the guy jumps up, rolls up his mat and says, excuse me, please, and the people just parted. And they were shaking their heads. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. One of the greatest reasons that you want to partner with, with people in your life who are going through their bottom of the ninth moments or chapters is because bottom of the ninth friends get a front row seat to Jesus' greatest work. Yeah. And if you've ever experienced that, you would not trade it for anything. So what can and should you and I do this week? I want to start with the hardest thing. Okay? And if you forget everything else I said this morning, please listen up here. Do you remember I said a while ago when it came to the yoke thing that Jesus always had an open spot in his yoke? And Spike said Jesus always has an open seat at the table for you. I believe that one of the biggest challenges you and I have in 21st century America is we have a difficult time reserving time, resources, and emotional margin for the people in our life. Do you agree with that? It is so hard. We pack our lives full. Full of activities, full of entertainment, full of all sorts of things. And when someone really needs us, we don't have anything reserved for the people who might need us. And then we have to figure out, how do we shoehorn them into our life? Have you ever been shoehorned into anybody's life? Yeah, I know you have. I have. That's not fun. Yeah. No one wants to be in the cracks of my life. They want to be in my heart. And when my life is tough, I don't want to be the cracks of people's lives. I want to be in their heart. So the first thing is, we might have to go home and take a look at our own heart and our own life and say, you know something? I I actually need to have margin and reserve in my life. Because when someone comes into my world who's going to need me, I want to have space already for them. The second thing we could do is this. Partner up with others. I don't know for sure. But I suspect our paralyzed friend was a little overweight. Okay? I do know this for sure. He didn't work out. I know that for sure. Okay? But the reason I suspect he was a little overweight is because it wasn't two guys carrying him. It was how many? Four. That would have been unusual. Okay? But there's a wonderful lesson in this for us. If you're a paralyzed guy back in ancient Israel... How are you going to get four of your friends together all at the same time? Well, you're not going to get on Instagram. You're not going to put a post post on Facebook. You're not going to pick up your cell phone and call four of your closest friends. It would be very difficult for this guy to get four of his friends together because he heard Jesus was in town. In fact, there's nothing in the story that indicates that the paralyzed man was the one who actually had the original idea 
of getting next to Jesus. Here's what I suspect. I suspect one of these guys got an idea. Wow. If I could just get my friend next to Jesus, his whole life would change. And he went and got three of his friends. And they all bought in. And they partnered up together. And they did this amazing thing. You know, one of the things that you and I could do to really help our friends who are in the bottom of the ninth is bring other people with us into their world. Yeah. They win, we win, and our friends win. And then the last thing is get them next to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you will go, oh, does that mean bring them to church? It might mean that. But it really means be Jesus to them. See, here's the truth. Shortly after this story, Jesus was crucified and died, and he was raised from the dead. And he appeared to more than 500 people, and then he ascended back into heaven. (coughs) Then he sent his spirit to live in the hearts and lives of people who chose to become his followers. So if today you're a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus living in you, and the closest that your friend will ever be to Jesus is when they get next to you. And you have the opportunity to be Jesus to them. Now these four guys knew if they could just get their friend's body next to Jesus' body, something good would happen. I just want to share with you and me Here would be the whole sermon in a sentence. Be the body. The Bible says that the church, we the church are the body of Christ. Be the body to somebody who needs somebody. Yeah. Then we can help each other through the bottom of the ninth moments. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. That in the most amazing way, you taught, you influenced, you healed, you loved, you touched, you met people right where they were, and you continually reset the paradigms of the people who were with you. And thank you this morning that you are resetting our paradigms. And that the very human responses we have that often would isolate us from people and and cause us to judge them, that you're resetting those in the most wonderful way. Would you help us this week to be Jesus to the people around us? For those of us who don't yet follow you, would you help us to hear a a thought, a message, a, a prompting from you this morning that we might choose to follow Jesus with the rest of our life so we get the front row seat to what you do in us and what you do through us and what you do in those around us. 
Would you help this to be a great Christmas season, one in which you speak very clearly to us? And would you help us not to miss it? I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.